Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we have a different kind of show. We have a debate between the two candidates for mayor of Bloomington, Mark Cruzan, the incumbent, and David Sabag, the challenger. You can't call on questions to us today, but we've been gathering them from listeners for about the last three or four weeks. So you'll be hearing some of those questions as we progress through the program. Here's a format that we're going to follow today. Each candidate will get three minutes to make an opening statement, and then each candidate will get the opportunity to ask his opponent a question. After that, Mary Catherine uh, and I will begin asking a series of questions, and listener questions will be interspersed into the questions that we ask. Candidates will have 90 seconds to answer each of the questions, and then we'll be reversing the order as we go through so that uh, each candidate gets to go first on alternate questions. We flipped a coin before we went on the air to see who would go first for the opening and closing statements, and that honor to go first, honor if it's such an honor, is David Sabag. David? Thank you. My name is David Sabag. Bloomington is a beautiful and glorious city. Bloomington is a city of families and friends and peaceful moments, a city of scholarly excellence and business entrepreneurs. Bloomington is a small town with vast opportunities. It is our responsibility to envision, create, and provide the best possible future for Bloomington. We must build on the leadership of those who have come before us with new ideas and fresh perspectives. However, city officials should not allow inertia to rule and fail to develop detailed and determined plans for our future. The level of control we have over Bloomington's future is directly related to thoughtful contribution and the leadership in place. It is not possible for Bloomington to continue to be the wonderful city it is, homes to families, destination of small business, ambitious students, a new generation of life sciences or industry, if our vision of Bloomington 30 years in the future is what Bloomington was 50 years ago. City leaders must engage the community, the region, the state, and open dialogue to help secure our future. As mayor of Bloomington, I will be frugal with the people's money, requiring a return to them on the taxes they invest that is based on reality. In addition, business will be encouraged to grow and prosper, providing greater opportunities for our citizens. Infrastructure and public safety will take precedence over marketing and expanded bureaucracy at City Hall. Sidewalks, especially near schools, will be given a high priority. The B line will be completed this decade, and rail to Indianapolis will be pursued. Certified Tech Park will be developed, and we will work with IU to build necessary space with wet labs. As mayor, I will restore leadership, earn trust, and bring absolute integrity back to City Hall. It is important to balance the wonders of nature that abound in Bloomington with well-planned development and growth. We can make Bloomington better. Working together, we can complete long-overdue infrastructure for our city. We can enhance commerce with land use. We can balance commerce with land use. We can develop new transportation initiatives such as passenger rail from Bloomington to Indianapolis. Working together, we can provide job growth, better pay, and more opportunities for our citizens. We can support the most fragile of our community. Working together, we can support our children, our medical community, and those who work every day to keep our community safe. Working together, we can enhance our alternative transportation plan and build paths, not just in Bloomington, but south to Louisville and north to Indianapolis. I love the city, the arts, the campus, the community, the way of life. Not only will I bring forth new ideas, strategic opportunities, and ambitious plans to lead Bloomington to a bright future, I will work hard every day for the citizens to accomplish these goals. We need to re-harness the collective energy of our community to bring excitement back to our wonderful city. I am David Sabag. I wish to be your mayor. I'm asking for your vote November 6th. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Mark? Good afternoon. It has been my great honor to serve as your mayor, and today I ask for your vote and your continued support to work for a better Bloomington. Uh, Thank you for caring enough about the upcoming election to have tuned in today to learn more about the candidates. Uh, I believe David and I offer uh, a clear choice for mayor, especially in the areas of fiscal responsibility, budgetary priorities, the ability to carefully consider issues, and skill at making difficult decisions. As the Democratic candidate for mayor, I have an optimistic vision for our city. I look at Bloomington and see what's right with our community and view problems as challenges to be overcome, not simply things to complain about. Bloomington's strength is in its spirit and in its uniqueness. This year's city election is about who is best qualified to protect the unique character and commerce of the community and to make it an even better place to live, work, and visit. We've made tremendous progress, but the best of Bloomington lies ahead of us. 
I'm genuinely excited by the prospect of how much more we can accomplish in the next four years. Elections are about the competition of ideas and priorities. Criticizing the other guy's plan isn't a plan. As a voter, you want to hear specifics when it comes to the issues. My priorities have been and will continue to be protecting and increasing our water supply, enhancing public safety, engaging in sound fiscal stewardship, promoting sustainable economic vitality, managing growth, preserving our community character and neighborhoods, building streets and sidewalks, improving the human condition, and respecting our environment and natural resources. Bloomington's quirkiness and creativity sets us apart. That's why people choose to live here. We have to safeguard and celebrate what is, what is special about Bloomington. I ask your support in doing so. Thank you. All right. And we're going to start the, the next phase with a question from Mayor Mark Cruzan to David Sabah, the challenger. David, you've said that being a Republican has prevented you from having accomplished things during your 12 years on the city council. Given that you weren't able to fill the Republican slate, the council will continue to have a Democratic majority. If elected mayor, how will you succeed in working with the same council colleagues you haven't successfully worked with in the last 12 years? David? I uh, disagree with the uh, premise of your question. I have worked uh, with the colleagues. I have worked with the council. We've gotten a lot accomplished. Um, IT infrastructure, I remember in 1995 when I first ran, uh, people called me Mr. Bandwidth. And uh, we got a lot of that accomplished. We uh, got uh, business and, and uh, university and government together and, and had a um, – developed a plan. It, we didn't agree with everything, but the outgrowth was the uh, BDU, the Bloomington Digital Underground. I certainly uh, led the fight to save Frank Southern Arena. I um, – one thing I'm really most proud of, frankly, working with my council members, is to give benefits to returning employees. We had re employees in City Hall who kept coming back, and they were not covered by the health plan. But at my insistence and working with my fellow colleagues, we uh, got that uh, dealt with. So I uh, have no trouble working with my fellow colleagues on the council. I think we will work well together as long as, as, long as we determine that the issue is solving Bloomington's problems and not partisan politics. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of partisanship lately. I one time was on the sidewalk committee and got a lot of sidewalks, and next year I was off the sidewalk committee. So I, I don't like partisan politics. I believe that we have to discuss issues. I am issue-oriented, not particularly uh, party-oriented. So I have, uh, will have no trouble working with, my, uh, with the council. All right. Uh, and David Sabal, you have a question for Mayor Cruzan. Thank you. Downtown vibrancy is crucial to Bloomington. There's been a steady effort over more than 30 years to encourage business and residents to move downtown. Recently, we witnessed a change. We've seen a flight of uh, business from downtown, government from downtown, and maybe the post office. It's all about traffic and parking. Um, it took 100 days to craft the U.S. Constitution. In four years, we have not crafted a downtown parking plan. When will your administration give us that parking plan? It's a very uh, dramatically worded question, but I, I would also disagree with the premise of your question. We not only have crafted a parking plan, it's, it's being implemented. Uh, in fact, uh, you may recall that in 2004, we started that parking plan. And even though there's been an influx of between 1,000 and 1,500 new citizens in the downtown area in the form mostly of IU students, uh, we've not seen a parking crisis result. And that's because we implemented uh, a parking strategy from really month one uh, of, our, of our administration. Since that time, we've also planned for management of our parking garages. Uh, thanks to citizen input in a private study, we were shown that there are a lot of underutilized, unutilized um, spaces. And rather than, as, as I think you would have, spent taxpayer dollars to build new facilities, even though we've got uh, excess parking in our existing garages, we chose to uh, implement a, a professional plan of, of management for our garages. Next up, with the Chamber's assistance, we are looking at uh, street parking management, and uh, I think that will, that will round out the overall picture. But uh, you've talked about the, the dramatic departure of businesses, and in fact, far more businesses located in the downtown Bloomington, and we are at the highest occupancy ever in downtown retail, residential in the city's history. We're doing very well. All right. Thank you for that answer. Uh, as I said, we're going to have some listener questions in this program. We're going to start with one, and it came from Tim. Let's go with a question from Tim. 
Hi, this is Tim Tilton. I live on the east side of town near campus. I'm interested in knowing how you think the city of Bloomington can best promote green building. Thank you. David, you'll have the first crack at that. Promote green buildings? I, I think that's an interesting concept. Um, I, I know that uh, it's expensive. I know that we have to get the private sector involved in this. We've seen from uh, a project we have going out on, on, um, in the city that the city is running, green uh, affordable housing development, that right now the cost per unit is at least $210 a square foot, and, and that doesn't include land price or, or the administrative cost of the city managing this program. So I, and, and the city will be subsidizing uh, each uh, house probably to the tune of at least $100,000. So it's going to cost a tremendous amount of money because government, frankly, has a hubris to think that they can do this. We need to get the private sector involved. We need to work with the private sector to, to do these initiatives and, and uh, help them and, and tell them what is our vision and how can they help us. How can we in government stop putting more and more obstacles in front of these people, in front of these uh, developers and these builders to, to build this stuff? Now, I'm not saying you give the house away. I've never said that. We, we demand certain things. But government is not, cannot be the builder. We have to have the private sector, the people who know how to do these uh, buildings to do it. And, and frankly, the one, uh, the green building that's the new Von Lee was, uh, was designed by a uh, private architect in town. So I think we have to get the private sector involved and, and to do this and learn uh, from what's going on. Thank you. All right. Mark? Well, I would disagree that green building is a concept, a good concept. It's more than a concept. It's a, it's a reality. It's a reality within city government. It's a reality in, uh, in the community at large. The affordable housing issue is uh, certainly interesting. It seems to be that David is suggesting that affordable housing should be cheap housing. Uh, I would disagree with that, and I think our affordable housing project at Evergreen, uh, which is very purposely named Evergreen because it reflects green building in the community, is a progressive one, and I think we'll see more of it. And I think that as it's built, the cost will continue to uh, to drop. But when you're on the cutting edge of something, you're going to be uh, you're going to have a premium price until that becomes a, a, a common uh, a common construction. The CUD, the uh, utilities headquarters, is a green building. It has many green features. So again, it's already a reality. We're installing solar panels uh, at Griffey and at other. Uh, bridges, walkways around the community. Uh, and finally, to say that the private sector needs to be involved really, I think, misses the fact that the private sector is involved. Uh, as David mentioned, the Von Lee project, there are other projects in town, and we are uh, more than willing to use uh, abatements and other incentives to promote that. But I think eventually you're going to see developers wanting to do this because the public will demand it. All right. I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to a debate today between uh, Mark Cruzan, the mayor of Bloomington, and David Sabog, who is his opponent in the November election. Uh, we have listener questions, but you can't call them in today. We've taken them in advance of the program. Um, I'm going to ask the next question, and uh, Mark, you'll get the first, uh, first answer to it. I would like for you to um, – I guess the question is how would you define economic development and how would you propose to stimulate it in Bloomington? Uh, Economic development, to my mind, is defined by empowering individuals to achieve their potential. And for some people, that will be starting or expanding your own business. For some, uh, it will be to earn a better wage or to continue lifelong learning or, for some, to escape poverty. And those various levels of interest and needs each require a different kind of catalyst. And that's why we've expanded the, the definition of economic development in the city of Bloomington's economic development efforts. Uh, we continue to focus on traditional economic development, such as manufacturing, but we've expanded our focus to include life sciences and technology firms. Hundreds of jobs have been created with those efforts. In fact, uh, companies are now concerned about a lack of available workforce. So another key uh, in terms of promoting economic development uh, is the promotion of workforce development and job training programs. Um, the, our, our ED efforts that David has opposed include adding the arts and small business advocacy as specific parts of city government. Uh, our approach is a strategic one designed to bolster our quality of life and our economy. Um, David has said, and again today said, that downtown has suffered irreparable harm uh, when Fine Light chose to move from one part of the city to another. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, dozens of new, small, locally owned 
businesses have opened in our downtown. CFC told me just the other day, as I've said, that downtown occupancy for retail and residential is at an all-time high. Uh, we hope that there will be certainly much more. All right. David? Oh, I agree with one statement that the economic development is creating opportunities for people to improve their quality of life and creating opportunities for people to advance their fullest potential. Uh, here's what we need to do to improve the economic climate in Bloomington. Government must create the environment for business and people to create jobs. Government is not the job creator. We need zoned land with utilities. We need bandwidth, uh, good transmission for IT. We need to develop the technology park, enhance the incubator, the, there has been no leadership on the technology park, and they've been asking for it for a long time. No leadership coming from City Hall. Um, and businesses in there have outgrown it, and they have, there's no more space, and the potentials are going to leave Bloomington, and, and that is not a good – that's not good for us. We must make government uh, processes more efficient for business, reduce red tape and delays, support the workforce, become a partner with business. Remember, the quality of life and the local arts and social services – cannot thrive with a without a strong and varied economic base. This is where the funding comes from. The arts are wonderful. I love the arts. I participate in the arts. I spend a lot of money on the arts. But without a healthy economy, with businesses supporting the arts, we, we are in serious trouble. The effort has to be to create a nice, healthy economy so that the arts are, are supported and the social services are supported. I feel that uh, the current uh, administration has got it backwards. All right. We're going to go to our second listener question of the day, and it comes from Tom. Hi, my name is Tom Tukarski, and I live on the western side of Monroe County, and I would like each of the candidates to state uh, conclusively whether you are for or against building I-69 through Bloomington. David? Uh, I, I think the decision on building I-69 and the Route 3C was made several years ago by Governor Frank O'Bannon. The issue is we have to be involved in the planning it is very important. If, if I-69 does come, we want to make sure it's the best I-69 that can be, the most environmentally friendly, has, uh, band, has uh, fiber in the, in the median, and, and is the I-69 we want. If it comes and we don't be part of the planning, it's not going to be the I-69 we want. If we participate in the planning and it doesn't come, all we've done is, is – frankly, spent some time in planning. It is a mistake. It is a mistake to avoid these planning meetings for I-69. We, we have to be part of it. The issue is, uh, I don't think the issue is whether you're for or against I-69 coming. It's been decided. I-69 has been planned, Route C-3, and let's make sure it's the best I-69 we want. And frankly, I believe it's true that Crane badly needs I-69. They're starting from Evansville coming up to Crane. And Crane is, is an important economic catalyst for our community. We need to uh, do what we can to work and support Crane. Uh, by the way, I believe the administration was AWOL when it came to the Save, Save Crane Committee. But it's, it's important, and we have to be part of the planning. It's a mistake that we aren't. And I certainly have been to all the planning meetings because I think it's important that we participate. Thank you. Mark? It's interesting to say that the administration was AWOL when we put in tens of thousands of dollars into the program that David opposed – by voting against our budget. Uh, the question was whether you're for or against I-69. I oppose I-69. I also oppose what David was saying the last time he ran for city council, which was that we should move the route over to be Terre Haute's problem. I think that's a mistake and, uh, and don't think you should push it into someone else's backyard. Uh, I also would disagree with the phrase that I-69 needs to be environmentally friendly. I-69 mean, and environmentally friendly um, are are just not compatible phrases. I-69 is not a panacea for anybody's economic problems. If you look around the state, the most impoverished areas are, in, are rural parts uh, along I-64. The Up in the northwest part of the state, you've got all the different highways intersecting with 80, 94, 65, and myriad other um, state roads that go through, and you've got high levels of unemployment. Uh, 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 an interstate highway is not the golden uh, future that people want it to be. Uh, what we need are better roads. We need the roads that we have to be paved, to be man managed well. Uh, I think we can have a better Bloomington without I-69. 
All right. The next question is coming from uh, my co-host, Mary Catherine Carmichael. Thank you, Bob. In the 2007 Citizen Attitude and Interest Survey conducted by the City of Bloomington Parks Department, the, city, the citizens of Bloomington identified trails among their highest priority. The current trail plan calls for the complete build-out of the trail system uh, in a minimum of 10 years before it's completed. Are you in favor of a faster build-out of our trail system if it requires using local resources and not relying on the cumbersome and time-consuming INDOT process? And please be as specific as possible about your timeline. Mark? Well, in terms of the way the question is worded, there are a couple ways you can answer that. But uh, am I in favor of a faster build-out if required? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, uh, we just, again, something that David voted against, but we have just put a million dollars into uh, purchasing the switchyard uh, because that's a piece of property we don't want to let get away from us. And we have built up significant enough reserves that we would be able to afford uh, to start to make further development on on that trail. Uh, the state has the paperwork for the trail right now. We hope that that will move along uh, at a fast pace. But uh, absolutely, Mary Catherine, if that is something that's required, uh, I want to do that. At the same time, I won't turn down looking for state or federal funding. In fact, we are, we've sent people to lobby for us in Washington, D.C., and Barron Hill's office is assisting. Senator Luger and Bayh's offices uh, are aware that we're trying to secure federal funding as well. If we can not have to use city money for that, I think we can put it into other trail systems. So uh, ultimately, the answer is yes, but I hope we don't have to rely on city money to do it. All right, David. Well, my whole campaign has been the Beeline Trail should be built this decade, and if I'm mayor, it will be built this decade. I quite agree with uh, with your question. We have we have necessary uh, finances. The plan was out there in 2003 when this administration came into office. Nothing was happened. I don't understand why this administration did not start implementing that plan. Why did they wait for two or three years before they went to INDOT to get permission? The, the Permitting process takes time. Certainly I know that, and I presume uh, anybody who's worked in the state legislature knows that. So that, that they delayed, that they vacillated in, in starting this process is why we're in the issue, the, the problem we're in now. The beeline will be tremendous for our community. I've always supported it. I've supported it and will continue to support it because it's nice. Right now, right now you understand, it's just gravel with some broken glass. That, that's inexcusable that nothing has happened. I say we build it this decade, get it built out this decade, and there are plenty of reserves. The city has projected reserves of $8.7 million at the end of 2008, which I, from talking to experts in SPIA who know about government finance, tell me that that's probably about 2 to $2.5 million more than you really need. So let's invest that money. Government shouldn't be the banker. Why do we put this money in the bank and collect interest? Government should not be a banker. Take that money, invest it, invest it in the B line. And uh, I think this administration has been very lax in this. All right. We have several more questions to go, but we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition and our debate between Mayor Mark Kruzan and challenger David Sabag. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info We want to hear from you. If you have something to say about what you hear on public radio, we hope you'll let us know. Our listener response line is always open. You can call 812-856-5352 or send an email to wfiu at indiana.edu. Welcome back to Noon Edition. 
I'm Bob Zaltzberg along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we are having the first of a – there are going to be, I think, three debates between Mark Cruzan and David Sabog, the two candidates for mayor of Bloomington. Mark Cruzan is the mayor. David Sabog is a member of the Bloomington City Council. Uh, you can't phone us with your questions today, but we have plenty of listener questions that we're going to be going through this last half hour. And also Mary Catherine and I will have some additional questions to ask. But let's go straight to uh, one of our listeners who had a question, and it will be Stan. Hi. Uh, my name is Stan Shapiro, and I live on the east side of town. I note that Bloomington has passed a living wage ordinance for some employees here, and I wonder if both candidates can speak to the question of how soon and by what means other employees in this area can hope to come under a living wage ordinance. Thank you. Well, understand the living wage ordinance that was passed really dealt only with the private sector. It exempted city government. It exempted the not-for-profits. And that's probably where some of the living wage issues were. So, so it was just the private sector, and the private sector has done their job. They've uh, paid uh, a living wage. In fact, most of the people in the private sector were already paying more than that. The issue, if you look at the, the latest SCAN report, the issue of, of low wages and, and things like that were based on education. The SCAN report brought that out. The SCAN report, no place in there did they talk about living wage as a way to, to uh, improve poverty. Education is important. We need better jobs in Bloomington. We need, um, you know, when, when you look at the latest benchmark report from the, uh, from the IU group, it says that our average wages based on our peer cities is much lower. We just saw a report about poverty in Bloomington is um, what, sixth, uh, sixth worst in, in the country. So, so we have to do something about this business climate and certainly that's one uh, reason I'm running for mayor because I don't think this administration has done nearly enough. Thank you. Mark? I, I don't mean this as combative. I think David completely got that juxtaposed. The living wage ordinance, he said, applies to the private sector. It's, it applies to the public sector. It, it applies to city government and it applies to anyone doing business with city government. Uh, so it does apply to all of our city employees. We've converted a number of jobs in the Parks and Recreation and Utilities Department uh, so that the living wage ordinance uh, does, does affect the public sector. And it also will impact anyone doing business with the city. So in that, in that regard, it does impact the private sector uh, minimally. The, uh, the issue of when we can expect others to be being paid uh, living wage I don't think will be dictated by law. I don't think a, a council or administration ought to be uh, dictating uh, that, that a wage for everyone in the city. The ways to go about that, and again, I don't believe at all that uh, it's a bad business climate in Bloomington. I just can't even believe that's being said. That leads to uh, poverty. The, the census figures are inflated by the fact that the student population is included. That does not mean that we don't have poverty or that we don't need to be working on it. Part of our problem is a lack of full-time jobs. We have part-time jobs uh, which have lower salaries and fewer benefits. Uh, we have a mismatch of, as Barry Lessow has said, uh, at the United Way of educational preparation with available jobs, and we've got credit issues and uh, mortgage defaults, all of which are serious challenges our community is addressing. All right. I will ask uh, the next question. And actually, this is uh, – I'm modifying a question that was called in to me by one of our, our readers, one of the listeners this morning. Where do the candidates stand on, the, on a potential or possible trade of Ernie Butler Park for the Fairview School property? Do they favor building a new school in the park area? And I guess I would add to that um, the, uh, the idea came about that there would be a, a, a school and – that there may be a, a switch with the older American Center. So just talk about that entire issue. David? Uh, I think uh, – Mark, you go first. Yeah. I don't yeah, mean to, yeah. Uh, I, no, you, you're Mary right. Mary Catherine said something the other night and I think that was, that was right on point and that is that, the, uh, that you can't be risk averse. And this is certainly something that Parks and Recreation knew that they were taking a risk by talking about this with the school system because there would be people who would, would strongly object. I know David has signed the petition uh, against this – against the school system's proposal already. 
um, which is unfortunate because I think that they're going through all these public hearings, and I applaud the fact they're having the hearings in the neighborhoods, in the communities, not over at their administration center to make sure that people have access to those, those conversations. I don't know that that program is going to happen. We certainly haven't made any kind of a deal with the school system, nor have they asked us to. Uh, we simply said that if they decide to move out of Fairview, I want to protect that building. I want to protect uh, that we have a neighborhood asset, that it doesn't become privately developed. I think that there could be incredible opportunities to have that facility be a community center. Uh, and uh, obviously, the objection, and a very valid one, is the concern that people would lose their park over at Butler. Uh, Butler Park ha will still have, under the MCCSC plan, uh, about four acres of green space, and it would also have a school, a school there. We need to protect a community school, a neighborhood school. If the preference is to keep it at Fairview, I'm all for that. Uh, if it has to be done someplace else, I want it to be kept in a neighborhood. David? I will be perfectly clear on this. If it comes to the council to give some of the land, to, to reduce the amount of land for Ernie Butler Park, I will vote no. What we need to do with Ernie Butler Park is enhance it. The bathrooms over there don't even work. We, we need to enhance. Why can't we have a signature park on the west side as well as on the east side? Uh, I, I think we need that park. We need the green space. We talk about green space. We need to enhance green space, more green space. Don't take it away. So I, um, I certainly did sign a petition that says don't take my park, and I'm very happy I did. I'm very proud to sign that. I was one of the early signers. So I think we have to be careful. I would like to know what deals. I think this is a little more of the non-transparency, the opaqueness that's going on in, in City Hall. Have, have there been any, any deals made? Uh, let's, let's, let's shine a little light on this. What's going on? I think the people want to know. I certainly want to know. And I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe there's been some talk uh, in, in smoke-filled rooms, but I certainly have not been, been part of that. And, and again, I think one of these issues is transparency in government that hasn't happened. This is uh, not a very transparent government. And, and the fact of the matter is I voted against the current city budget for lots of reasons. One is that the mayor's office, mayor's budget has increased over 60 percent in the last uh, four years. Way too much. Thank you. All right. It's time for another listener question, and this one's about uh, transportation in the city. My name is Brad Galen. I live on the east side of Bloomington, and I would like to hear one specific idea that each of the candidates have to improve transportation moving east to west through Bloomington. This is an issue that has been talked about for years, and yet nothing has improved. All right, David. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a it's a difficult issue. Frankly, um, infrastructure is a very important issue. Uh, in the previous administration bit the infrastructure bullet with with uh, with transportation two thousand and, and, and invested a lot of money in infrastructure. Uh, this administration has really done very little investment in infrastructure, and and that's one of the problems. Um, right, Third Street can't be in east-west anymore because uh, there's uh, you know, houses in the way. Perhaps it's going to be uh, uh, Rogers, Winslow, Tap Road, but, but there's really been no, no work done on that. The West Third Street project has been designed and the money has been there since 2003. That hasn't happened. So again, uh, infrastructure has uh, not been a strong point of this administration. We need to invest in infrastructure. That's one of the important reasons for government to exist, protect the people and provide infrastructure. And we certainly will uh, look at infrastructure and we will uh, try to design a uh, east-west corridor because it's very important. Uh, there's, there's been talk a long time ago about two-way pairs up 10th Street and, and, and 13th to, to help alleviate the problem uh, going through campus. Frankly, 10th Street is one road you should probably avoid all the time. So there's, there's, these plans have been out there a long time. I've seen no action by this administration to try to implement any of these, not even talk about that, because I guess they uh, have higher priorities, that infrastructure is not one of their priorities. Thank you. Mark? I, I just am amazed at the, the, the uh, detachment from reality. Uh, again, going back to the last question, accusing Mick Renison <clears throat> and the Parks Department of being involved in some kind of smoke-filled room. I don't think Mick smokes, um, and uh, I know I don't. And uh, as I said, there have, been, there, were, there have been no deals made with the school system. To accuse the school system, the city, the Parks and Recreation Department of having made secret deals is, 
is a little sad. Uh, it, but it does reflect the lack of reality in terms of uh, the budget as well. Uh, infrastructure has been has been a strong point. <clears throat> uh, David's council colleagues have voted consistently uh, for the budget. The vote has been eight to one many times. I think every time during uh, during my administration. And in part, that's because infrastructure has been at a record level when it comes to, for instance, street paving, uh, to bicycle, pedestrian lanes. Uh, the second and third street proposal, uh, the question was about east-west corridors. Uh, second and third street are huge federal projects. are going to be incredibly disruptive to people, unfortunately. Uh, we're also looking, and we've done a, a study on Atwater and 3rd, which I think will become increasingly important. Sadly, the university shut down 7th Street through campus, uh, even to bus traffic, and I think that's been uh, a disservice to the overall community. And so we will be looking at 10th Street and a one-way pair uh, going east and west. And then, of course, the bypass will also help to move people on that side of town. All right. Mary Catherine? Thank you. Leadership can be characterized as inclusive or exclusive. In the latter, the leader is surrounded by and communicates mostly with persons who have a lot in common with him or her. While by far the easiest and therefore most common approach to leadership, preaching to and leading the already converted has many pitfalls, including coming to the wrong conclusions and implementing strategies that don't advance the common good for the group being led. Inclusive leaders surround themselves with people who broadly represent the group the leader is responsible to. This can be very difficult. The leader must associate with individuals he or she finds challenging, difficult to deal with, and even unpleasant. How would you characterize, uh, based on that framework, how would you just characterize your leadership approach? And Mark, you're first. Uh, you know, one, of our, one of our principles has been community collaboration, and we've reached out, and I think you'll see that the working relationship between the city and the city, the city administration and the city council is, uh, is at an all-time high. The uh, administration and the university and the city and the county. Those are all things that, and over time, obviously, you're going to have differences, and there were differences when we came into office that had already existed. And I think those have, those have uh, almost all remedied themselves. I don't anticipate that there won't be further problems, uh, but we're pretty proud of the fact that we've been able uh, been able to work with, with all. If anything, I would say probably one of the biggest criticisms of my style of leadership has been uh, that we've worked almost too collaboratively in the sense of uh, having a legislative style uh, as opposed to simply dictating to people. And I think that's something that uh, that results in David's votes constantly vo- voting no on the city council. The 8-1 votes over and over just show that it's my way or the highway, and that's something that uh, you can't do when you're approaching a legislative body. All right. David? Um, I would comment a little bit from before. Um, that is... Consistently, when an issue came up in city council about adding people to the staff, Mark got up during public comment on an issue that was before the council was against saying that I uh, attacked the city employees. And now he says that uh, I know Mick Renison does not smoke. <laughs> when, I, when I talk about smoke-filled rooms, I wish Mark would look in the mirror to see who I'm talking about and not bring other people into the issue. Um, leadership. A leader, a leader surrounds himself with bright, professional people who know how to do their job. A leader tells them, okay, you're running the departments. Tells them several things. Number one, don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass the taxpayers. Keep me in the loop. Go out and do your job now. A leader who asks people to make decisions must give them the authority to make those decisions. You cannot micromanage. That's not a good leader. That's not the way a CEO of a nearly $60 million corporation should behave. Unfortunately, that's what I hear is going on in City Hall. So my leadership style will be much different. My leadership style will be kind of bottom-up. I will empower. I will empower the department heads to do their job, tell them to do their job. They're the professionals, and I expect them to do the job. Thank you. All right. We're going back to another listener question, and this one is coming from Molly. Hi, this is Molly O'Donnell. I live on the east side, in the east side neighborhood. And as mayor, what would you do with the following? Dependence on private automobiles and to mitigate suburban sprawl. All right, David? Well, certainly, um, I think the idea of, of that we aren't going to have automobiles, that that automobiles, automobiles are not the major mode of transportation in this town is, is not, frankly, realistic. 
we have to enhance public transportation. Actually, Bloomington Transit is one of the great success stories, and I uh, think we should uh, do more with Bloomington Transit. We should uh, look uh, for Bloomington Transit and IU. Maybe we could form one bus, uh, one bus service, and that would probably help. Uh, bicycle travel, frankly, I've been thinking a lot about this because I used to do a lot of biking. I used to do a lot of urban biking. And I think safe bicycling requires more than just painting a white stripe on the edge of the road, frankly. The edge of the road is probably a very bad place to be. You're probably unsafe there. So I think we need to, to fully uh, uh, look at this issue. I think we need to get all the people together who, who understand this issue, work on the issue, and it's very important. And, and we need better transportation uh, plans. We need... We need better traffic patterns, and again, that comes with infrastructure. We need better infrastructure to implement this. We need sidewalks, sidewalks so kids can walk to school. It's frightening. I was knocking on doors in the neighborhood yesterday. Kids go to child school, but there's no sidewalks for them to go to child school. It's very frightening. It's frightening. Uh, High Street doesn't have safe sidewalks for kids going to school. So, so it's very important to me to build sidewalks, especially for kids walking to school, and that will be a that's a big part of my uh, plans. Thank you. Mark? Well, I think there were two parts to the question. One was uh, the alternative transportation, and uh, I, I certainly shared David's uh, interest in, in Bloomington Transit. It is an award-winning program. Uh, its ridership is literally at a record level now for the last three years in a row. Uh, working in conjunction with the IU system, it's had tremendous success. I think we'll start to see it continue to grow. Uh, my vision is to have the, for the downtown area, is to have the B line be another uh, artery for bicyclists and pedestrians, but also to serve as a spine for uh, for alternative transportation options and trails, uh, bike lanes, pedestrian ways off of that trail throughout the, the downtown. Uh, our garage management is also is uh, designed to encourage people not to warehouse their cars in the street or to rely on their cars uh, throughout the day, but to be able to uh, go to the garage, put your car there, and then uh, be able to use other means to navigate the downtown. We hope that the downtown shuttle, uh, or some are calling trolley, will will also serve that purpose. This is a citizen-driven process. Uh, the Bike Ped Commission, the Traffic Commission, and others uh, make th- as well as the Community uh, Council on Accessibility have worked with us uh, to to help design a lot of our plans. All right, we're going to go to Mary Catherine for another question, and that will be the last question before we go to each of you to ask your opponent a question. Mary Catherine? I believe in beginning with the end in mind. So what would each of you like your legacy as mayor to be? And that would be, uh, let's go to Mark first, your legacy as mayor, and then David, your legacy if you were to become mayor. That we improve the human condition, period. Uh, That we've empowered people to achieve their potential. There can be no greater... Uh, tenant in in government service. It's why I hope people are motivated to run for office, and, and I mean this sincerely. I believe that's why David has run for office. We have different ways of achieving our goals, but ultimately I think uh, it comes down to wanting to have made life better for our fellow citizens. It's really that simple. All right. David? I uh, think we do need to empower the citizens. We need to give them more opportunities to achieve their highest uh, potential. Uh, legacy. Interesting question. Um, I think we need to get Bloomington moving again. I think that's what I would like my legacy. We need to, we need to encourage and build the downtown as, as the vibrant core of our community. We need to do this by making downtown, frankly, a major employment area because employees who work downtown shop in the shops, eat in the restaurants, and create more possibilities for the uh, downtown businesses we need to have businesses and people create wealth because wealth is a six-letter word, not a four-letter word. Wealth is reinvested in the community to create more jobs and more wealth, giving more opportunities to people, improving their quality of life. Frankly, your quality of life is greatly improved if you have a job. And so I don't know if I can say one legacy. Certainly certainly for the improvement of Bloomington, for the improvement of, of the standard of the, the quality of life for our citizens is, is, a, is a legacy that I think anybody would want. And, and how do we get there and how do we do this? Uh, I think it's very important. I think it's important for people in elective office to have been in business 
to have been a business owner, to have gotten loans from banks and understand how difficult it is and what's on, uh, what's on your, your whole life is on the line when you sign a uh, personal guarantee. I don't think there's enough understanding of that in elected government. All right. We asked both of you to prepare two questions. You've already been able to ask one. So here's your second opportunity to ask your opponent a question. And we're going to start with David and then Mark. David. Okay. Um, Bloomington has an opportunity to become a haven for technology businesses. City government approved a certified detect park designation early in 2005. If properly implemented, it would nurture startup businesses and necessary support leverage by state and federal funding. A lot of effort has gone into this. Genovis was hired to create a plan. The, uh, at the end of 2007, I see very little action in the Genovis plan. Uh, please, uh, do you think the te- technology park is important? And uh, what do you consider your achievements in economic development for our city? In order of importance, the the technology park is uh, has been one of our priorities, and I think that I, I do have a vision of downtown that's going to be a blend of uh, technology park, a beeline trail, additional housing, not just student housing, uh, but year-round owner-occupied residential in the downtown area, along with Bead, the Bloomington Entertainment Arts District, that will just be an incredible uh, make Bloomington and keep Bloomington uh, an incredible attraction destination point for, uh, for, for residents and for visitors alike. The certified tech park plans uh, are extremely strong. They were done by Genovis, um, and we have been working with BEDC on trying to implement those plans. Uh, there was a change, as you know, in leadership both at Indiana University and at the BEDC, and then shortly thereafter at SBDC, every other acronym you can think of. Uh, and all of that did put things into flux. I don't want to get a plan going without those, all those partners uh, being full participants. The BEDC and the city have been negotiating for, uh, for a while now and are about to announce uh, a plan in which BEDC and the city will be working together on uncertified tech park. But that doesn't mean things haven't been happening. And in fact, as you noted earlier, uh, the, the existing incubation space is full. Uh, we're working with both BEDC and private developers to make sure that those businesses have a home in which to expand. All right. And uh, Mark Cruzan, question for David Sabag. David, in your 12 years in office, what significant development proposals have you opposed? Well, the very first one I was on, the very first thing that came forward was Canada Farm. That was my district, even my precinct, and I voted against it. In fact, the plan commission voted in favor. The city council did not vote in favor, so it rev- didn't vote either way. It was, it was, there was not five votes on either side, so it reverted to the plan commission. So I, I certainly uh, have been uh, selective in, in development proposals. And the fact of the matter is we need to create businesses in this town that have good-paying jobs. Talking about development is not just physical structures going up. It's also creating an environment for businesses to develop and create more jobs. Uh, that's that's uh, what's important. To, to just use one simple definition of, of development is, uh, I think, uh, inaccurate. And I've... Uh, I've talked to a lot of people. We've gotten a lot of things accomplished, and certainly uh, some of the development projects have been very good. Let me say also that I can't recall any development project that I voted for that the majority of the city council, the majority of Democrats on city council voted against. That just didn't happen. So perhaps the development projects were pretty good. If you're going to ask me if I didn't vote against any, then ask your colleagues on the city council. Thank you. All right. We've reached the time for closing statements. Each of you has two minutes to sort of sum up where you are and uh, what you'd like to leave our listeners with. So, David Sabag, you're first. Thank you. And thank you, uh, Bob, Mary Catherine, and and Will, for doing this. The city of Bloomington is languishing under a regime lacking in leadership. Without leadership, Bloomington is splintered into groups sparring one another, jostling for my own backyard solutions. We are losing a sense of community. Because of Bloomington's lack of leadership, public's trust in City Hall has greatly diminished over the past several years. I want to restore that trust. I will ensure that employment in City Hall during my administration is based on professional qualifications, not political connections. Padding the payroll to reward friends and supporters will no longer be tolerated. 
What will it take to set Bloomington back on course? It will take a mayor with experience managing organizations, a mayor who can and will provide leadership, a mayor worthy of the trust of citizens. It will take a mayor with absolute personal integrity. Leadership is not easy. It requires that you have a clear and consistent long-term vision and be able to deal with change and innovation. You must be able to work with other organizations and build partnerships. You must work civilly with others and compromise for the greater good of the community. You must create a work environment that enables your employees to reach their potential without fear of punishment. You must understand that when you give employees responsibility, you must give them authority to make decisions. In addition, you must be visible on the job. Showing up during standing working hours is a necessity for any mayor. A good leader must gain the trust of the community. Part of this trust is won through the conduct of the mayor's office. I will insist that the office be run in a professional manner with regular office hours. Employees will be treated with respect. And so with energy and enthusiasm, great pride and promise for the future, I, David Sabag, wish to be your mayor. I'm asking for your vote on November 6th. Thank you. And Mark Cruzan. Uh, as I prepared for today's debate, I asked myself what the biggest fundamental policy difference is between David and myself. And our greatest philosophical divide centers on the transference of wealth. Uh, it's really the single greatest issue difference between city Democrats and Republicans. David believes the best economic development is the direct transfer of taxpayer dollars to businesses and developers in the form of subsidies, tax abatements, or in the form of reduced planning and zoning restrictions on development. And those techniques have their place in time, but they should not be the default policies of city government. I believe quality of life is synonymous with economic development. And as I said at the top of the hour, our unique community character is what sets us apart. Bloomington is the kind of people choose to live, work, and visit. We don't need to tip the balance away from homeowners, neighborhoods, and average taxpayers toward developers and corporations. In fact, by allowing every developer to do whatever it is they want to do, we degrade the city's quality of life and in turn actually diminish our economic vitality. We have an obligation to protect and promote the very reason we live here because Bloomington, Indiana isn't just someplace else. It's the smart thing to do for our quality of life and our economy. You live in a community where people care about the issues. You've heard about some of them today. I ask for your continued support to work to protect that principle and to make Bloomington an even better place to live. Have a good afternoon, and thank you for listening. All right. I'd like to thank uh, both of our guests who were here with us today, Mayor Mark Cruzan, Mayor of Bloomington, and David Sabag, a city council member in Bloomington who is running for mayor. Um, we've had a lot of help here today. We had Mary Catherine Carmichael here with us, of course. Producers Catherine Hageman, Will Murphy, and Adam Ragusio were here. Engineer Mike Pashkash helped us out. We'd also like to say thank you and goodbye to Emily McCord, who's going to be leaving the station after today. Uh, you've been listening to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks a lot for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.